everybody. Welcome back to the Jesse Nyberg podcast. Today I have on Timmy or Visual Timmy, super cool dude that I've known for quite a bit, but at the same time, we don't really know each other at all. So I'm glad I'm going to finally get to talk to him. And how you doing, man? I'm doing great, dude. How are you doing? Pretty good. Um, just made some coffee, kind of getting ready to s- settle into this. Have you, um, are you in Chico, right, then? Yeah, yeah, I'm in Chico. Okay, yeah. I live kind of north Chico by the freeway. Okay, yeah, because um, I went to Chico State, you know, as well, but for anyone that doesn't know, and I feel like I'm, I know you from that, like, geographic location through like any some kind of algorithm or whatever online but i've never actually met you or knew if you knew people that i also knew you know what i mean yeah i feel like we kind of danced around each other we definitely know a lot of the same people Mm -hmm. um for example wiggy beats i asked him i was like oh do you know jesse he's like oh yeah yeah follow him on instagram so there's definitely a lot of uh, mutual connections did you go to the school or were you just living over there yeah i went to chico state i went for music industry Mm-hmm. And then, well, first I went for computer science, then I switched majors to music industry, and then I ended up leaving Chico State to pursue graphic design. So like, I kind of yeah. swum my way through and figured out all the things that I didn't want to do, and then decided to kind of break away and do my own thing. Yeah, because when you were there, um, or like when I kind of found out about you and we started chatting online and stuff, I was probably maybe a junior at school or so. And I, I was, I always wondered like, is he even go to the school? Is he a local? Like, but I just felt like, ah, I don't really need to ask about that. It doesn't seem to matter. But mm-hmm. when you, why did, what made you want to just like, I'm sure you like the music stuff still, but what made you want to go all into the digital art or like design stuff? Well, there's this program called Soda and mm-hmm. at Chico state in the music program, it's a uh, school I forget what the acronym is, but uh, they do music events and they they help set up cool different events that go around campus. We do flyers and we would uh, kind of break off into these little teams mm-hmm. and there would always need to be somebody to take care of the poster uh, for the event. Mm-hmm. And I was always raising my hand because back in the day in high school, I was kind of messing around with the cracked Photoshop right. and <laughs> uh, I was having a lot of fun doing that, kind of making my own logos. They were all terrible. But I had a, a lot of fun doing it. So when it came around to doing that for soda, I got really excited. And slowly but surely, my interests kind of shifted and my focus was 100% on yeah. design and kind of making art and stuff. So that's kind of how I funneled into that kind of way of being. And I decided, like, I really like this. Mm-hmm. I really like doing art more than music. And luckily you know i mean everything ended up getting shut down and all the music events got kind of muffled so it's nice that i was able to kind of shift at the right time Mm -hmm. but you never know what's going to happen these days yeah it's it's interesting too because i feel like a lot of people that pursue like creative like careers or i don't know for lack of a better word like some people would call them like riskier or whatever and just Mm kind of like where it really matters on like the individual rather than like, oh, you have the degree, you're an engineer, like you're good to go. And it's funny because a lot of them have like, oh, I'm music or I'm designer art, but my fallback's like just this other, like one that's just as risky, you know, like, well, I don't Mm -hmm. need music, music's not for me, I'm going to pursue art or whatever. And I feel like it's just inevitable, like people with that kind of like mindset, they're always going to want to pursue those types of like more creative careers and things. And I think, um, it's pretty like cool that you just went from making those little posters to all the stuff you're doing now. I mean, it's came a long way pretty much. Yeah, it was, it was pretty fun doing all those posters, but there was, I always felt like there was something missing. Like I would go to create a poster and I felt like, well, I want to add some sort of illustration or something unique about this, not just Mm -hmm. typography because I wasn't that strong in typography. So I was kind of trying to find some supporting elements to, to make it work. And I started just doodling my own little graphics, messing around in um, Adobe Illustrator with a little uh, bamboo tablet. And I just started doing little logos and little illustrations. And then it kind of snowballed out of control. And that's when I ended up picking up the iPad, getting into Procreate and Mm. kind of more illustration heavy stuff versus the typography 
kind of side of things. So, yeah. What? So before you started doing Procreate, you were doing like Illustrator, not Photoshop. I was doing the posters in Photoshop, but I would yeah. jump into Illustrator to make little graphics or to use the image trace tool mm-hmm. because that was like the best for me because I could kind of rough something up in Photoshop and right. then put it into Illustrator and use the image trace tool and kind of limit the colors and limit the uh, the uh, points and all that stuff mm-hmm. and get some really kind of different stuff than what I was able to make in Photoshop. When you were still messing around in Illustrator, is that when you kind of developed out like the style that I've come to known you for, like the little little um, kind of almost mono line illustrations and things like the visual Timmy look? Yeah, um, a lot of that stuff began in Illustrator. Like I started by taking images and throwing them in Illustrator and then kind of tracing over them mm-hmm. and adding cool like stylistic elements. And that kind of got the ball rolling and I was really excited to be doing that kind of stuff. But yeah. then I was kind of feeling like this isn't making me any better. Like I'm not actually getting better. I'm kind of just repeating tracing. And so I was like, let me try to do something completely freehand, just looking at a reference. And over time, I slowly kind of started to develop this mono line look. Mm-hmm. And I really, really dug the way it was coming out, just kind of minimal uh, simple black and white and just kind of learning about shapes, negative space mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And that came once I started using procreate. Definitely. Yeah. I feel like for you, like you're, you're a big procreate person. Like I think, I think of when I think of people that use procreate, I usually would think of you or reference you because I don't know people that use you, you from like the outside. It seems like you single-handedly use that and you're good with it. You know, like it's kind of taken mm-hmm. over your, your own little niche in the digital space. And um, when did you, did you start getting into that? Like when it first came out pretty much? Get an iPad? Um, I was pretty late. I was pretty late on that train. I didn't even have an iPad until mm-hmm. after I was already working in Illustrator using the uh, Wacom Bamboo tablet. Right. So I decided that I would get an iPad specifically for Procreate because I really liked how it was like a stripped down mm-hmm. version of Photoshop, like way more simple, way, way less tools. Cause you're using only workflow, those drawing tools anyway, right? Yeah. I'm using just a pen and like, you know, the selection tool and an eraser. Right. So that kind of simplified things so that I wasn't always trying to use all these fancy filters and end up kind of doing more harm than good. So by using something that helped me strip down to the most kind of like basic things that I was uh, experimenting with, it it opened up a whole world. And they say that like limitation breeds creativity, mm-hmm. but it, I really did feel that way. Like I don't have to worry about color. I don't have to worry about um, complex filters and adding all these layers. I just have yeah. to make one line look good. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the route that I took. Yeah. Yeah. And it's cool. And I mean, like, it, Photoshop has that kind of vibe where it, it's almost like harder to do simple things, you know, procreate, like I'm sure you, you fell in love quickly with like the gestures and all that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. everything feels like very seamless and like it definitely, I'm not as much of like the illustrative type of designer, but it definitely caters like heavy to it. I know people that procreate pretty much, uh, maybe you as well, like change like your whole, like pretty much career projection, you know, because it's just yeah, that powerful definitely. of a tool. Um, when did you, cause like, I know you, you're one of your big things is not only you have this specific style and your client commissions and kind of ventured off into digital art, but when did you start getting heavy into like the textures and brushes and all that web online store stuff? Well, it was shortly after, uh, the whole procreate thing and I kind of got absorbed with it and I was watching an episode of the future on YouTube with Chris Doe yeah. and he brought on, uh, the creator of design cuts. Mm. Um, and, uh, he was talking about like why the products sell the way they do. And it's because they're unique. It's because, you know, the, they disrupt the market and they make things easier for right. creatives. And so I was really taken back by that. I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's a good idea. So I decided, well, I have these random little icons that I created. How about I just give them away 10 of them mm-hmm. and create a little brush pack for procreate. And before I knew it, there was like 200 downloads. I was like, Whoa. were you just on like Gumroad or something like that? No, I was just 
I had a, a Dropbox account oh, okay. and I had Instagram with swipe up because my Instagram was at 10K. So I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm just share the link pretty much. And just share the link. Yeah. And it had like 200 downloads and it blew wow. my mind. I was like, wait, I think this is when you're supposed to, you know, create an email list and start a business. Yeah. yeah. So I decided to put my effort into that and I created a patterns pack that had seamless patterns, 60 of them. And I put it up for $5 and it didn't sell very well, to be honest. Really? But over the next like few months, I kind of refined it, packaged it with some other goodies and then listed it on Creative Market, put uh, put up my own website and put it listed on there. And it kind of started to take off. And that's when I realized this could be something if I really double down on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of, Yeah. It's came like a long way too. like, I, I always see people using your stuff and like you reposting that, like, it must feel cool to get all those tags and things of like, cause some of that shit, like if I was doing that, like some people take what you made and they just elevate it like to a crazy level and you're like, holy shit, like they did something crazy with this. Must feel cool to get like tagged and all that stuff. Yeah, it is nice. And it's cool to see like people use the brushes and the, the textures in ways that I would have never thought. Yeah. And I'm like, I now that I saw what you can do with it, I'm going to hire you to create the mm-hmm. example graphics because <laughs> you did more than I was able to do with the resources that I built. So it kind of turned into, I know that there's better artists out there everywhere in the world. And if I could give them a tool that lets them express themselves a little bit better or faster or mm-hmm. in a more smooth workflow, then that's exciting for me. And to be able to constantly share their artwork back to my Instagram and kind of give little creator spotlights and stuff like that. That's, it's yeah. a blast. I really love it. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Cause I've seen that you have like, uh, um, your promotional like ads and graphics and the things you list on your website. It look a lot of it. It'll say like created by this person and they have this unique style. Are you, um, basically like hot commissioning them to create like little um, backgrounds for that? Or are you just like saying like, yo, this art is tight. Like, can we use this for the like header or whatever you want to call it? Yeah, there's been a little bit of that, but most of it has been uh, direct hiring. So mm. I would hit up the creator and say, I think that your style is really, really, really cool. And I think that you could do something awesome with these brushes. So I would send mm-hmm. them the brush pack, give them the brief and then have them create the kind of cover images or example images for the different brush packs. So for example, Blanco Rabbit, she's an illustrator who does a lot of like pop, bright color, half tones. So when I had the half tones pack, I yeah. sent them to her and I said, go wild, have some fun, mm-hmm. make three graphics and we'll use them for marketing and, and uh, advertising, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. She has some cool stuff like the, with all the like kind of seventies, like bubbly type and mm-hmm. all those things. So that would work probably. I saw that on the site. It was like for the halftone one you're saying. Um, one thing that I always thought was cr- like pretty intense ever since I, when I started talking to you about it, maybe a year ago, um, what, how did you develop out the strategy you use for like the ads? I feel like you just pump mm. out an insane amount of ads and I was like taken back by how much ads you put out, but then you're like, oh, it works. Yeah. Yeah. So the kind of bare bones idea of the ads is you put out some content and you see what stuff gets the most engagement. And mm-hmm. in the case of selling resources, you put up some ads, you make something unique, some creative, and you link them to the product page. And You'll notice very quickly, like nine out of 10 of them don't work, but one of them does. And that ad, when you run it, you pay $10, it gives you $20 back. And when you see that kind of like a light switch goes off, like, okay, so if I spend a thousand, will I get 2000 back? And you Mm -hmm. kind of play with the ad platform and try to spend as much as possible without breaking the ads. So it's a lot of testing different creatives and a lot of testing different audiences through kind of the Facebook, Instagram ad platform. And when you find something Mm -hmm. that hits, you can run it, you can run it really hard. So, but 
it's to be known that it doesn't last forever. So one creative might do really well for three weeks, but then yeah, after it gets that, fatigued, it might taper right? off. Yeah, it gets fatigued. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of testing, a lot of continuous creatives that need to be made. And the ones that work well, it's nice. You know, you can, you can collect some decent funds for your effort and use that to, you know, create more resources and kind of grow the brand. Mm -hmm. So that's really what I've been doing with Facebook ads. Yeah. And when, what, like at what level did you start uh, running the ads at like a heavy volume like that? Were you doing that kind of from the beginning or like maybe after you already found organic success? It was probably after around 7k follows on Instagram when I started running ads. Cause I was 7K, like, 7k like uh, added on to like the 10 or whatever you started with basically. Yeah. Yeah. So it was before actually I got to 10, I was running a little bit of ads for, for follows on Instagram. Oh, okay. So it, the ad would go like, Hey, do you like this art? Swipe up and check out more. It, mm -hmm. there, I wasn't selling anything. I was just trying to build an audience. So just for reach pretty much an engagement. Yeah. Just so, for reach because yeah. I knew if I get to a certain point, like there's a, there's a, what I thought was a tipping point where you have enough followers or whatever, and that will translate somehow into income. Mm -hmm. But what I wasn't considering was that those people that I was getting to follow my page just really liked art. They weren't designers and they weren't artists. So mm. when I first went to start selling products, I realized like a lot of these people don't really care because yeah. they came for pretty pictures. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. If you love pretty pictures, go for it and, you know, come on over. <laughs> yeah. But in the end of the day, that wasn't going to kind of change my business. It wasn't going to get me sales. Right. So that's kind of when I started shifting to running ads <clears throat> directly to product pages. And that's kind of when things started taking off. So yeah, it was definitely around seven to 10 is when I started running ads heavily and yeah. I haven't really stopped since. So you kind of had a, in the beginning, you were kind of had the wrong target demographic pretty much, right? Because everyone was just more um, appreciators of your style and the art and they don't, they could care less about textures and brushes and whatnot. So have you, yeah, did you yeah, at that was... point, did you start doing like a heavy push to kind of get your page to be more, um, you're getting followed by fellow designers and artists rather than just, uh, I don't know, fans or connoisseurs, whatever you want to call them? Yeah, and that's kind of around the same time I also switched my the front facing parts of Visual Timmy before was um, I create minimal graphics, hit me up for custom design. That's mm -hmm. kind of what I was putting out there. And when that started to shift, when I had uh, some digital products for designers, I kind of started shifting to, hi, I'm Tim and I create digital resources for creators. Right. And that kind of immediately just changing your bio on Instagram, yeah. different people yeah. will connect with that and they'll follow you for, for that reason. So doing less things like giving out a bunch of free wallpapers, like, Hey, come download all these wallpapers mm -hmm. that gets the picture lovers right. engaged, but the designers kind of just use their own <laughs> wallpapers or, you know, yeah. that's kind of not what they're interested in buying or you downloading. So right. by then offering different free things like, Hey, come get my free starter kit for procreate. That's got 15 dope brushes. Now I'm getting leads and I'm getting other creatives for those kind of lead magnets per se. Yeah. So it's definitely just a shift of how you present yourself and of what you're offering. And that definitely brings different people around. Yeah, that makes sense. And what's been like, what is like the, what am I trying to say? What's been the most successful, like, I don't know, asset or brush or whatever you sold? Um, well, for free resources, it would definitely be the free Procreate starter kit, mm -hmm. which has 15 brushes. That has got 60,000 downloads. Damn, and nice. the, my, my full bundle. So I took my like 10 best packs for Procreate. Is that the and one I with like the landscape kind of cover, like visual Timmy, like, ultimate pack or yeah. whatever it's called yeah the yeah. creator excel bundle and once i kind of bundled everything together it was actually for black friday a couple of years ago i decided yeah. i'm gonna bundle everything together and sell it for like 20 bucks and right. see what happens and i started running ads and i was like whoa my kind of brain exploded 
even more than before. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this is, this is really good. This is going to be like three, three X returns. So I started cranking that up and that's now has probably around 15,000 purchases. So over time I keep adding to the bundle. I upgraded, I send out, you know, emails with free goodies to the people who have already bought it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the main driver of my business right now. Yeah, that's cool. And and then you still have everything kind of sing- partitioned out and everything, right? Also, like if someone's like, oh, I only care about half tones or whatever. They just go down, scroll down, buy that thing. Yeah, my store has everything separately. And of, of course, the bundle is like the best value because everything is around like 20 bucks each yeah. separately. But when you get the bundle, it's like 48 bucks and you get 10 packs. So it's like, why would you not? Right. If you're going to get one, that's kind of the mentality that I had was... If someone's going to invest in more than two of them, they probably will use like five of them or six of them and it'll save them 200 bucks if they just get the bundle instead, which is better for me, better for them. I think it works pretty well all the way around. Mm -hmm. Are you still doing um, like uh, client commissions and just project work and things or is this pretty much taken over kind of your day to day operations? It's pretty much taken over day-to-day operations. I mean, I'll do the odd job here and there for, you know, somebody I know or someone who has a really cool project that I want to get involved with. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely, I've turned down a lot of work because, you know, I just don't have the time for that. Or also, it's not that I don't have the time, it's that I don't want to make the time. I'd rather spend that time working on other resources and kind of thinking about bigger picture stuff. Yeah, the ROI is probably better to just focus on the business, right? Than take on a small project from an Instagram DM or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was kind of the tough part in general um, of me doing client work is I got some big jobs. I got, you know, thousand, fifteen hundred dollar artworks, but most of them were like two to three hundred dollar commissions and people wants like a logo for a hundred bucks and I have to turn them down. Right. You know, it, I felt like I was really running on the wheel. Mm-hmm. It's like, if I'm going to do $200 projects, then I'm going to have to do a lot of them every month just to keep my head above the water. So having something like digital resources that you create once and then the rest of your time is spent marketing and refining mm-hmm. and kind of building community, that to me is a better way for me to spend my time. And I enjoy it more than kind of bouncing emails back and forth with uh, Mm -hmm. one client for several weeks. Yeah, and I feel like you're, uh, it was almost inevitable, like your style, I feel like caters to like people like wondering like, how did it, how does it look that way? Like, how'd you get it this way? And you wanna share like that knowledge and those resources. Like some people, their work is like very complex and unique to them and it wouldn't translate to like, here's my style like in a pack or whatever, cause it's so like, almost from scratch each time it's not using like the same themes throughout the like you're big on the you know landscapes and I feel like little sparkles and astronauts and things like that that (laughs) easily translated to like you want to use this cool little shit and like as icons here's a brush that you can like spray them all over the place or whatever or make your own Mm -hmm. wallpapers and all that stuff so I think you definitely found your own little pocket and have flourished in it and I with, with all that being said what do you think that you're the most proud of like in this whole visual Timmy universe? <laughs> you know, I think that I'm probably most proud of just going for it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, there's a lot of things in my life that I would probably not go for. And the reasons behind it is just kind of fear, um, insecurity, um, you know, fear of the unknown, I think is something that everyone has at least a little bit of struggle with. Yeah. And jumping into a world where you don't get a paycheck, you didn't get your degree, and you constantly are changing your mind about what you want to focus on, that's Mm -hmm. dangerous water to be treading in. I wouldn't suggest anybody to just quit everything and go start a new thing. But I would say that I'm really proud of taking the time to, you know, I worked a part-time job for a couple of years and used that money to fund my ads. I used that free time on the weekends and after 5 p.m. to start building my business. Mm-hmm. So I'm really proud of taking the time, going for it and not quitting when things were, when I wasn't making any money. Right. So, Yeah, that's good. And I, I think that that's a good point to make about 
um, pursuing, like while you're pursuing your dream or your thing, you like, you still have to make money. So like, don't, I don't think anyone should ever be above like working some bullshit job or doing whatever you Mm -hmm. have to do. I almost feel like I'm blessed enough to work as like a full-time designer, like in like a career job or whatever you want to call it. But sometimes it feels like my time would be better spent working like somewhere part-time as like a designer that's less intense because it would give me more time to, you know, get the personal like freelance career all built out and the passive income and all that stuff. Cause you know, working like 70 hours or whatever gets like pretty crazy sometimes. I think uh, like speaking of that COVID though, in a way has kind of helped facilitate my discipline because it's like, what am I going to do anyway? You know, I might as well like edit this video on a Saturday night or like um, pull all these assets for this podcast, reach out, do marketing, whatever. Um, Has your kind of like daily tasks and things changed since that? Or were you kind of already running everything from the home base? Well, I would say for the most part, I was about 75% hermit. (laughs) <laughs> so COVID brought me up to like a full 95%. Yeah. And, you know, luckily I work from home now. My girlfriend works from home and she lives here as well. And we have a lot of free time to kind of do things that we want together and spend time. And that's great. And I feel like before maybe we would spend more time going out places mm-hmm. and like meeting up with other people. But I think for the most part, I was kind of already on the computer all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I left my part-time job, that's definitely what it what it became. It's a lot of spending time on the computer, spending time on an iPad. And, you know, I hate to say it, but COVID did some great things for my business because everybody was locked down around mm-hmm. the world. And, you know, ad costs went down because there was more viewers. So, right. you know, clicks went down, stuff like that. And a lot of people sent me emails. It was really like, oof, touching because they're like, I haven't picked up my iPad. I haven't been creative in five years. Mm -hmm. And I saw your ad and now I'm really excited to get back in there and start experimenting uh, on exploring my creativity. And that's, I think that's really cool. Yeah. And I, I don't think that would have happened for a lot of people if they weren't forced to slow down. Mm -hmm. So there's, uh, you know, despite all of the downsides and the rough times that people have had to go through, I think the people who had it a little bit better off had opportunities that they wouldn't have before merely because things were closed. Yeah, and I think um, polarizing times and things that happen um, that kind of throw a wrench in in the world and when things happen like this, like whatever you want to call them, disasters, um, a pandemic, a uh, just like a, a big mix up, there's definitely something that happens where someone, people either thrive in that and they use that disadvantage to elevate themselves to like a higher level and kind of take advantage of the fact that most stuff's going to be like in disarray. So it's like, this is my time to shine. Or it's like you get bummed out and you're like, damn, everyone's like out not working or this sucks. And I think that the more that you can kind of take in all that's going on and like turn it into something good, the better. And it's easy to feel bad. Like, oh, I feel bad because people like aren't this bad stuff's happening, but you doing well doesn't really make anyone else doing bad like worse. You know, it's not like you mm-hmm. can't just be sitting around like feeling bad because some of the other shit's going on. But I think it's like working from home and and uh, the like pandemic and things for me as well. It's definitely like got me real into just like my zone. It helped me build out my own uh kind of schedule and everything and you don't have to worry about driving to a job or going to like different things everything could kind of be facilitated through like your little lab you know and you're just sitting Mm -hmm. in there and like networking and cooking and it's definitely made a it's made the online like more fun I've met a lot of cool people like in the past eight months and I'm grateful to like I would have probably never talked to them you know because I would have been busy facilitating the relationships I have that are in uh, in person or whatever. So it's pretty yeah, cool. I, I definitely think that when something gets constricted, that something has to, you know, come out of it. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a handful of silly putty and this might be your, you know, your 
outdoor activities and your group activities and your concerts and that gets squeezed that that putty has to come somewhere mm -hmm. and i think that it's definitely exploded into um the internet yeah. and yeah. that's already been you know there's already been a pretty strong squeeze getting people onto the internet but now that everything was forced to push like you better know how to use zoom right you know you better know how to like understand yeah. how a computer works um because people who wouldn't have to work from home now are given that uh, opportunity or that kind of they're not giving an opportunity they're told that they have to work from home it's weird so, to see the difference in the people that like are bummed about it and the people that are like thank god you know no more traffic yeah. or whatever yeah so it's inevitable that there was going to be some sort of squeeze elsewhere mm -hmm. but it's nice to see that there is some light at the end of that tunnel there's a lot of people making connections a lot of people exploring their creativity and i think that's a beautiful thing yeah, definitely. It's it's well put. And I'm just glad that um, people's like, you know, yeah, like at the end of the day, like people's will and stuff is strong and shit will shit will move on. Everything will be all right and we'll keep it going, keep it moving. And um, one thing, speaking of all that, one thing I've been seeing that you've been, I don't know, teasing or whatever is like this kind of Timmy or like app or website or whatever you want to yeah. call it social media and i'm interested to really hear about what are your plans for that and like what it even is really because it seemed kind of like confusing to me at first yeah so uh the reason why it's been confusing because i've been trying to work through some of it as well mm -hmm. but what it's going to be is an app called visual tribe and it's really geared towards my customers mm -hmm. and people who plan to subscribe so it'll be a monthly subscription and there's going to be opportunity for creators who have something to teach, something to say, and something to share the opportunity to come on, be the uh, guest creator of the month or creator of the week and share some content and kind of get, get their message out there. Because I know there's a lot of creatives who have something to teach. They have something special about their work or their process that they want to get out. Mm -hmm. And I think having an app that's solely focused around that will be a great opportunity for those people to not only share their work, but to make money doing it and to be a part of like an, an art family that doesn't, that you don't get distracted. Cause I mean, I love Instagram because it's helped me build my business and an audience, mm -hmm. but it's very distracting. I can yeah. totally get lost in all kinds of content. That's not educational. That's not kind of helping me. Sometimes it's even might be hurting me right. uh, because of like envy and stuff like that. So this app will be an opportunity to kind of gather people together and create a space for them to share their work, get feedback and also get a drip feed of content that will help them in their creative yeah. uh, passion. And not a lot of bullshit and like just. Uh, yeah, no bullshit. Booty girls and fucking muscle dudes <laughs> and like random shit that pull yeah. up on the Instagram. And it's so, it's not allowed. And like uh, that's the problem with Instagram is I, I feel the same way about it. Really cool. I'm very grateful for the things that I have kind of facilitated with it. But you like, you know, like. I click on like a, you know, let's say something from like f football, like highlight, right? I'm pretty interested. I obviously clicked on it. I'm not a huge sports person, but now it's like my whole explore is like hardest NFL <laughs> hits and like weird like draft stats. And I'm just like, fuck, I fucked up. I don't care about this at all. So every day I go into the explore now and I just try to click on some logos or like some <laughs> cool shit. So it kind of resets my algorithm or whatever. Yeah. You're like kind of whispering to the algorithm like, hey. Show me more stuff that I like. Yeah. Um, I have a similar experience. I was clicked on the Explore feed and it was like a barber. He was like cutting someone's hair, but he was doing it with like a straight edge, like a knife. Yeah, yeah. And he like was doing it. I got really distracted by it. I was like, whoa, that's kind of, you know, kind of like an oddly satisfying mm -hmm. video. And I was like, whoa, that's cool. And next thing I know it, there's just like all of these hair hairdressers and stylists yeah, yeah. cutting hair. I'm like, this is not what I'm interested in. And so I can definitely see how the algorithm will take one little piece of info and say, oh, this is a new interest of yours. Mm -hmm. Let's explore that. And that's not always the case. Yeah. <laughs> so I can definitely see that. So that's, you know, that's another reason why I'm excited for, for the app it's to come out. It's more specific, right? So it'll be, you won't yeah. have to worry about that. And what, what's, uh, so basically the base of it and the base audience will be existing, um, 
customers and like subscribers or however you want to put them. And then, uh, you kind of, they, from there, it kind of branches out to anyone interested in either your stuff or the, uh, highlighted, um, creator or whatever each Mm -hmm. month. That's cool. Yeah. So the base of it will definitely be people who have already know who visual Timmy is, who probably own my products, Mm -hmm. my, uh, my design resources, and they'll be able to come on. I'm going to be doing bi-weekly live streams and produce content. So tutorials, step-by-step stuff with Procreate. So that'll be like the main bulk of the audience at the very beginning. But I imagine over time, there'll be a lot more people coming in to, to help teach mm-hmm. and a lot of people coming in to to get better. So there's going to be like a a development that goes on over the, uh, the life of this app. Yeah. And big picture, long-term, I could see it being even available for free with with locked content behind certain paywalls, yeah. uh, like live streams and kind of one-on-one stuff. Um, but as for right now, it'll be a more stripped down version just to see kind of how things go. I've never ran an app before. Right. I've, never, I've never been on a weekly kind of like schedule to get mm-hmm. out live streams and stuff like that. So it'll be a good test run and there's been a lot of demand for it as far as people responding to my emails. Right. So You've it's been exciting. Doing like little polls I'm nervous. and stuff like that. Yeah. I did some Google form polls mm-hmm. and I've done a lot of Instagram polls to kind of see where people sit. Um, the Google form was better because I sent it to my email list and there's a lot of people there who are really active and responsive. Yeah. So I got a lot of good feedback from them on price points, uh, requested content and just kind of the overall vibe of the app so yeah i'm really excited and over the next several weeks we'll probably see it roll out yeah cool that's perfect yeah i was trying to hopefully it's made it's probably for the better that we postpone this like a month or whatever because it'll come be coming out closer to the release of that and everything and i think uh i'd be nervous as well it's gonna be a big task to run like what sounds like a your very own twitch slash instagram like uh, yeah. platform or whatever. Is it going to be a desktop client or just like mobile? Um, at the very beginning, it will be <clears throat> web app only. Okay. Um, which you can download on your phone. You know, the little like a uh, button on iOS that says save to home. Right. That will actually create a uh, an app, a workable app for it. But it's just not that, in the iTunes be like API or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Not at first, but it's it's definitely already scheduled. Mm-hmm. So once I get take care of a bunch of paperwork and things, I'll be able to get it uploaded on iOS and the Android Google Play Store. Nice. So it'll be available everywhere and on desktop. But it'll be cool. I can live stream right from the app. There's uh, group chats. There is um uh, like a like folder system. So there'll be like uh. 101 courses for Procreate, uh, downloadable goodies, daily drawing prompts, all kinds of stuff that we're currently working on to get it all ready. So you got, are you, uh, do you have like a development team or you, do you know how to do all that stuff? Well, I don't know how to do all of it, but I know how to do a little bit of it. We have, uh, it's a service that does white label apps. Mm. So they kind of build the structure of the app for you so that you don't have to pay, you know, $100,000 $100,000 to design and host your app. Right. So they do like a lot of the bare bones structure. And then I get to come with them with the UI and everything and features and yeah, help them kind of get everything together. That's cool. Yeah. It, it kind of sounds like you're pulling some of the elements from all these different platforms that are powerful. Like you kind of got the group chat folder or whatever system from like a discord or like a slack you got the live streaming aspect that could be like a periscope a twitch type thing got the almost instagram feed type thing i think it's going to be like nice for people that want to enjoy your content without having to go to all these different channels and figure out different schedules and whatever and if if you have if someone's like a diehard visual timmy person i think that they'll be excited to just be at the forefront of this new thing do you have any uh plans for the types of like uh what do you what do you call them like um guest speakers or whatever or hosts that like what what are they gonna do like teach their own classes you said in a way yeah so first we're gonna start off with creators submitting 
tutorial content mm-hmm. like hey i want to teach how to deal with tough compositions okay so they'll release one to three videos on that one topic and then they'll get promoted like a skillshare almost type thing right kind of like a skillshare yeah. um and then down the road i think that the people who really enjoy it uh as far as the creating content goes they'll be granted permission to do things like their own scheduled live streams on the app Mm. and they'll be able to kind of have like a course almost and be like a partner or whatever of like yeah yeah yeah. and i'm sure there's all kinds of cool things that we can do by setting up like hey if you refer the people you also get paid plus you get paid for your content Mm -hmm. um i'm still working all that stuff out but I yeah. feel like down the road, it will it will build into something great. But at the beginning, it's really going to be like customers mm-hmm. who already know me, who want more live stream content and, you know, monthly downloadable goodies. I know that's a big one. People love their goodies. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that'll be the main focus at the beginning. But yeah. who knows what it'll turn into? I'm always kind of morphing and adapting along the way. So in terms of goodies or whatever, for now, are you just sending those out in like email, like a list and things like that? Yeah. Right now I use um, ConvertKit for my email. They have like really good automation. So A-B if someone testing downloads and all something, that stuff too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. If someone downloads something, they'll get popped into like a sequence. Then they'll get emails over the next like 30 days with goodies, tutorials, stuff like that. So I'm, I kind of already have that in place, but I just want to build upon it and make yeah. it make it much better and make it better experience for the customer. I'm going to need to um, tap into your brain at some point about that stuff because I've always been interested in the targeted like marketing and email stuff. Like that's not invasive, like for people that actually want it because it helps streamline mm-hmm. like you don't have to do the messaging yourself and stuff and it helps automate it. So that's cool. And you seem to know a lot about that and have you just kind of learned about all this um you know seo marketing and all that stuff pretty much as you went on or were you like kind of compiling knowledge before you even like took the leap into this business um i'd like to believe that i kind of had it together a little bit but probably not i really (laughs) have been like okay i'm gonna start an email list let me go watch 20 hours of YouTube content on building email lists, um, you know, building a following, how to deliver content, how to schedule emails. Like basically I jump into something before I'm ready. And then I do a lot of scrambling to pick up the pieces Figure it out. and then, and then I, once it's figured out, then I can like go even deeper into it. But I feel like, you know, they say done is better than perfect. And as much as I hate releasing things before they're perfect, which they never are. Yeah. Um, it's definitely been a big thing for me to like schedule before I'm ready and release products before they're ready in terms of like perfect. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, over time I've probably updated the my main bundle like 20 times. Like I've added yeah. new brushes, I've replaced things, I've removed things, I've upgraded existing content. Um, but I feel like if I would have been waiting for it to be ready, it would, it probably wouldn't even be out still. Yeah, so and, and done. I like that done before perfect because you and always you can always upgrade and you can always archive or whatever you want to call it. You know, it, yeah, you just stuff delete isn't it forever. It you know? Yeah, that 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 I think uh, people need to really take that into account when it comes to social media. I I uh, I think it's an inherent thing as like a designer, artist, creative, whatever to get into that perfectionist uh, model slash like imposter syndrome, but like I've been doing more on social media lately and shit that I've just been posting stuff, even if I don't think it's like my, you know, my Mona Lisa or whatever and like my best work and it's translated to like more audience. So like, it doesn't really matter. Like the quantity is just as important as like hyper analyzing every small little piece of art or whatever you put out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, for example, if you work for 10 years on a painting, and you finally get it at what you believe is absolutely perfect. You mm-hmm. release it onto the world and nobody sees it because you didn't share any of your process. You didn't share any of your bad work. So people don't really know kind of where you've come. And you've never really been vulnerable with your work that you disliked. So you haven't created a connection with really anybody. And you might have a beautiful piece of artwork and it might go off the rails at auction. But what's next? Are you going to spend another 10 years trying to perfect one more thing? Or 
are you going to, you know, take the route where you release things before they're ready and when they're not perfect and kind of get, put yourself out there to kind of, people will pick up your vibe. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if your art's bad. Like I probably follow a lot of people where their art's not that good, but they're beginners Mm -hmm. and they will get good. Right. And the fact that they are already expressing themselves now and building relationships now means that when they are really good, they have plenty of people that love them that will be happy to share their work, buy their work and kind of engage with them in that kind of way that I think most artists really want. That's a that's like a beautiful way to put it. That whole 10 year painting thing that reminds me of that's I remember hearing like a little story or whatever, where it was like they separated this pottery class. It was like two groups like this group. They had to make a pot every day for 30 days. And this one had 30 days to make one perfect one. (laughs) And uh, on the 30th day, the 30th pot from that group was better than all the ones from the ones that took 30 days because they didn't have any trial of error. They weren't able to experiment. They just had to sit there and hyperanalyze that one thing. And it gets to a point sometimes where you just, you start making shit worse, you know, because you're sitting with it for so long. Yeah, there's definitely, there's a lot to be said about that kind of workflow of just putting it out there. And I, I forget who said this before, but something along the lines of you you create it and then you release it. You release it into the wild mm-hmm. and it takes on a life of its own. If everybody hates it, then it's going to take on that life. If everybody loves it, it's going to take on that role. Like it yeah. will kind of weasel its way through society and culture and find out where it fits. Right. If, if it's liked, if it's not, that's really irrelevant. What's relevant is that you take that feedback and you go forward with it the next time. Mm-hmm. So not only be an echo chamber of society, but also release it into the wild so that you can see how people engage with it and how they react to it. Because if you're only letting yourself decide that, you might think that it's terrible, but there's maybe a hundred thousand people out there who want to wear it on a shirt. Yeah. But you didn't give them the chance because you're selfish. Yeah. So, you know, narcissism, uh, self-consciousness is also a form of, you know, being selfish and not right. wanting to share what you have with the world because you don't think it's good enough or you think people are going to judge you. Newsflash, people are going to judge you anyways. <laughs> so you might as well have some fun. Or they're going to judge know, you for never putting anything out. Like you're <laughs> yeah. a fraud or whatever, yeah. you know? So Yeah, exactly. It's funny because uh, speaking of, like you say, uh, some people will like it. Some people won't. And one thing I've learned on why I've tried to become less precious with things like not so much client work, cause that's different, but like personal stuff is because you can never predict what people are going to like or not anyway, no matter how I, I do something, I think it'll work. Do it again. Doesn't work. <laughs> Throw something together in 30 minutes. Oh my God, this is beautiful or whatever, you know, yeah, like it blows it's, so, up. Yeah. it's so hard to like the, and it's, there's no way to really track it back. You can have analytics, variables, all this bullshit. But at the end of the day, like, it's almost just like a shotgun effect, you know? You just put mm-hmm. shit out, hopefully it hits somebody. They spread it out and it just, that's the best way to do things is getting, so once someone sees something, if they see it enough and like it enough, they pass it on, they pass it on and just goes out into the ether or whatever. And then you're good. But if you sat there and waited to show this thing to this one person and they didn't like it you wasted all that time and that's a big bummer you know yeah there's definitely a lot to be said about learning from other people's perspective Mm -hmm. and opinion you might think it's bad they might think it's good you might think it's good they might think it's bad it's important to get those perspectives because no matter if you agree disagree with them or not uh, it's part of growth mm-hmm. is hearing what other people have to say. Yeah. And if you're kind of close yourself off to that out of fear or because you just think like the client doesn't know better than me, like I think this design's perfect and, you know, I don't want to work with them because they think it's bad. Uh, you you got to kind of let down your guard a little right. bit and not be so emotionally attached to it because once it is out in the wild, it's not yours anymore. I mean, the internet will take it and do whatever it wants to it. They'll make a meme out of you. Mm-hmm. They will draw over your artwork and make it even worse. You have no control Filters, once you put it out there. That. So <laughs> it's also it's also freeing. Yeah. Because once you do let it go out, then it's the burden's no longer on you to make it better, to make it perfect. Because especially if it's an artwork, you get the opportunity now to move on, to create something else. And if you never release it, then you you might be holding on to like 20 projects that yeah. you're afraid to release. And that will stop you from having the, the 
uh, headspace to keep creating new things. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely right. Speaking of you're saying, uh, it's, you can benefit, you're right. You can benefit from the way other people think of things. Cause it gives you a lot of insight on the way other people see things and it's, you get out of your little yeah echo chamber, tunnel vision, whatever. Um, Speaking of that, I like to ask most people, like, who are some of your biggest inspirations currently and people that you've been looking to in, like, this, I don't know, digital or design space that you could kind of direct some of the viewers to? Well, I was really, really, really digging Mark Conlan. Mm-hmm. So he's an illustrator and he he he's done a lot of work for Coca-Cola and all these big brands. Um, uh, what is it? The uh, New York Times. Nice. Uh, the cover. So there's like a lot of stuff he was doing with like botanical and kind of uh, simple two color, three color designs. And that really kind of sparked me into being interested with that kind of design work. Monoline, simple stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and so then I stumbled across hashtag black work, hashtag ink work on Instagram. And that's when I discovered a, a bunch of cool artists and they mm-hmm. all kind of had the same style. It's like, I wonder how I can kind of jump into this like how can i fit myself into this hashtag right. while also bringing my own flavor is that so when you started doing kind of all what the I did. paneling almost like the black yeah. and white kind of paneling on your page yeah and so i was like noticing what other people were doing and kind of taking a little bit of uh flavor from them like wow people are posting their graphics really small why are they doing that i don't know so i started you know, shrinking my graphics a little bit more mm-hmm. with each post. And then I found a sweet spot where it seemed to get more engagement. People really liked it. And that's when I started learning the power of like negative space. It's like, yeah, oh, letting wow. It, letting it you breathe. Know? Yeah, let it breathe. Yeah. And it, it has a little bit of life to its own. So, yeah, I wouldn't say that there's like a lot of people that I necessarily like, like obsess over their work and stuff right. like that. But I, everything I see, I, I store away into this mental library and I'm constantly kind of referring back to that when I'm creating stuff. So, you know, it's really hard for me to say, I, f- I always wonder what's, what's wrong with me. Why don't I have like, why don't I look up to anybody? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, there's probably an aspect of that from not going to design school or art school. I didn't actually learn about what a lot of like the history really, or whatever. Yeah. What a lot of people were doing. So just kind of picking it up along the way has been amazing. I mean, thanks YouTube and thanks every person on the whole entire World Wide web who creates content and shares it with yeah, the world. For real. Um, I mean, that's one of the We'd all be lying if we wouldn't say the biggest inspiration in our modern time is an individual. It's Google or YouTube Mm -hmm. or Pinterest or whatever. You know, it's a collection of all that. And what's really cool is when you find this stuff that you like and you one day either organically or you search through it with through a tunnel, you find the person who made it and you're like, oh, now I get to see tens of thousands of more of this exact thing that I caught my eye. So that's cool. And shout out to, um, this what's his name two three color floral man oh mark conlan mark conlan so we'll throw that in the description you could check him out and uh, speaking of uh description links i want you to plug all your stuff we're gonna just uh just shoot it away all right you can find me anywhere on the web at visual timmy and that will be one word. You can find me YouTube slash Visual Timmy, Instagram Visual Timmy. Um, and you can find me at visualtimmy.com. That's where you'll find any Procreate resources, textures, brushes, color palettes, mm-hmm. the whole nine yards. And uh, yeah, that's where you can link up with me anywhere on the web. Nice, beautiful little presentation there. And uh, you can also find, stay tuned for his app. Follow him. It's going to be coming out soon, the Visual Tribe. And thank you everyone for listening. Like, comment, subscribe, rate if you're on the audio. And let's keep it going. And I'll see you next time.